welcome to the New Life Fellowship podcast. New Life Fellowship is a community of grace in Kitchener, Ontario, Canada. Our goal is to teach and share and experience the life of Jesus Christ together. You're about to listen to a message from one of our meetings. Please make sure to check out our website, newlifekw.ca. Without further ado, let's listen in. All right, let's give a hand for our worship team. Did a great job. Let's give a hand for Brother Marco for helping us out, learn some stuff. And last but not least, let's give a hand for the sound team, our AV team who makes this happen every Sunday. I expect my check in the mail, thank you very much. You guys are great. All right, how are we doing here? Well, we, well today the theme is uh, sin. And uh, we talked, talked about a few sins earlier, you know, loving country music and stuff like that. Just too bad. Of course you can love country music. Of course you can. You are accepted here. We'll just help you to mature in Christ. Right over time. No, of course you can love it. You can love it. Um, but we are going to be talking about sin because more often than not, we say yes to sin because we do not trust God to provide for our needs. I want to say that again. More often than not, we say yes to temptation when it's presented to us because we don't trust God to provide for our needs. Uh, I haven't said my name yet. My name is, is Rob and Antoine. Some of you are new. I haven't met everybody here, but um, one of the pastors here at New Life and uh, and this subject matter obviously is close to my heart because I'm an expert at sinning. <laughs> so you guys can, thank you, you can join the club. But the fact is, is that that happens because we have this deep, this deep inexhaustible need within us for God. So we have been created to be compatible with him. So we've been given desires, natural legitimate desires that God intends to satisfy and he wants to satisfy. Unfortunately, we have something else at play. We talked about this last Sunday. We have something else in play. It's called the flesh. It's called sin, the noun underneath your skin, in your body, that wants to take advantage of those natural desires that God implanted, he made and formed you with, so that you would be connected with him always always dependent, always in tandem, always in sync. Bye, 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 bye. Nobody. All right, that's okay. That's okay. A little more sin, right? All right. See, our souls were made to be satisfied by God. We have an eternally vast black hole vacuum of needs and desires to be eternally satisfied by an eternal source. I want to say that again. Our souls were made to be satisfied by God because we have an eternally vast black hole vacuum of needs and desires that were created intentionally to be satisfied by an eternal source. And eternally satisfied over time. Black holes. You heard about black holes. Black holes happen in space, in the universe. And was, a black hole happens when a star in space implodes. It dies and it implodes, 
and it breaks down and then it creates this vacuum in the universe. And what it's doing is it's sucking everything in its atmosphere around it, everything that it can, into itself. Scientists in Switzerland are trying to recreate a black hole. No one's concerned about that. <laughs> Scientists in Switzerland, they want to know what happens in a black hole, so they're creating an environment where a black hole could be made. It's amazing, isn't it? Like, basically, when a star explodes, that's what happens. Now, our solar system surrounds a sun, which is a star, and the Earth can fill the sun how many times? Anybody? I had to look it up, too. A billion, very close, 1.3 million, <laughs> 1.3 million times. The Earth can fit into the sun 1.3 million times. So imagine our sun exploded, like everything in and around it would be sucked into it. And they said that they don't know how long these things last for, they just keep sucking things into themselves. I really believe that God created that in nature, in the universe, as a picture of our own souls. He created us with a desire, an inexhaustible desire to be filled by him. Inexhaustible needs to be filled by an inexhaustible eternal source. So we'd always be connected, we'd always be connected, we'd always be in tandem, we'd always be in sync. Uh, Ecclesiastes 3 verse 11 says this, he has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into man's hearts. Your heart is a seatbed of your emotions. Your emotions are part of your will. and or Sorry, they're part of your soul, and your soul is made up of your will, your mind, and your emotions. So God has put eternity into your soul, yet so that he cannot, the man, cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. What do we understand here? First off, when we have desires, we can't see the, we, we, we may not see the end of the extent of what that is, of what, how God even wants to fulfill that. We can't even get the understanding of how badly God wants to meet all of our needs from beginning to end. And God made it that way so that we would always be in wonder of how much we need him. We'd always be filled with wonder about how much we need his love, how much we need his care, about how much we need to feel secure by him, how much we need to feel belonging from him, how much we need... Did I already say loved? I think I did. How much we need to feel loved by him. And this is on purpose because we've been made compatible with God and only God. In other words, the depth of your compatibility with God is unfathomable. So we will only be at peace when we are completely satisfied in him. And you already knew that, right? We'd only be complete when we're completely satisfied with him. The wisest thing you have ever thought or said in your life was the moment when you said, I need God. That's the wisest thing you've ever said. I need God. And he has given us this desire that could never be filled with the things that the world offers. Can't be filled with likes on your social media posts. You can't be filled by, uh, uh, by the love of a boyfriend or a girlfriend or even by the continued love of a spouse. Can't be filled. It's, it's almost inappropriate to expect that of your spouse. 
to fill all that need. No, 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 God, God through your spouse wants to affirm what's true about him and he wants to love you through your spouse. But if you expect your spouse to be the source of that love, that's, that's, this might be an unfair pressure to put on them. Take for instance, I want to create a scenario for you, somebody who, who struggles with controlling things. Okay, so this, is, this is a sin they, they kind of get themselves into. They can become manipulative uh, to get what they want, to make things go the way that they want. And so let's just say, I create the scenario where someone comes, they sit down with a great counselor like Peter Watt, and they say, Peter, I have trouble with controlling. I harm my family, I harm my spouse, I harm my coworkers because I have this issue with controlling. And Peter says, well, why do you think you do that? And you say, well, because I need to control everything around me. I need to, I, I need to make sure everything works perfectly. Peter says, well, why is that? Well, you say, well, because if everything doesn't work perfectly, then, then I'm going to get hurt. I'm not going to be safe. And Peter says, well, why, 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 so, why are you so desperate to feel secure? And they'll say, well, you know what? There was this time when, you know, a, a love, a, a, a somebody who was given authority in my life by God, a parent, a teacher, a coach, a friend, they, they took advantage of me. So I vowed to myself that I would never, ever put myself in a scenario again where I could be hurt. So I control my environment day in and day out to avoid that scenario. And Peter, a wise, wise counselor would say, <clears throat> call Ross. <laughs> Uh, that just came to me right now. <laughs> that was Jesus. Peter, Peter, a wise, a wise, wise counselor would say, <clears throat> I, I know somebody, I know somebody who desires to satisfy that need for you to be secure. And sometimes when we find ourselves tempted to do things that are out of order, to, do, to satisfy those needs apart from God, because that's what sin wants to do and under your skin. It wants to take those legitimate desires to feel secure. It wants to take that legitimate desire to feel safe and twist it and make, it, uh, make you satisfy those needs apart from God. And what does that do? It leads you to death. Not only you, but people around you are harmed by it too. All of us do this. And we know what Father's doing? He's calling to that five-year-old person who was harmed by somebody who was given authority over their lives who was supposed to make them secure. He's calling to that five-year-old person, and they're sitting in a corner in the dark like this. They can't come out. And Father's saying, no, come out, child. Come out. Take my hand. You can trust me on this one. But you know what? The child has to say yes. The child has to trust that the Father can be trusted. It's legitimate desires, but sin can make you think that there are other ways to satisfy those inexhaustible needs. As C.S. Lewis quotes, it says this, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures, fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered to us like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the 
offer of a holiday at the sea, we are far too easily pleased. I just love that quote. And I know Pastor Ross has shared it with us many times, and it's such a picture of how we just settle for less. We settle for what the world gives, but we've been given an eternal black hole vacuum to be satisfied by an eternal power source. And the eternal power source is God. He said, Robin, how can I be saved? Again, go to Ross. No, no. How can I be saved? Let's look right now at Psalm 81. Okay, if you have your Bibles with you, we're gonna look at Psalm 81. You can scroll there. Um, Psalm 81 is in the Old Testament, but what we're gonna look at, we're gonna look at the character of God and how he responds to this question. I know it's in the Old Testament. The Old Testament is a great opportunity for us to see the Father's heart. So that's what we're going to look at together today, how God wants to respond to the desires of the hearts of his children and how he, how he calls out to us. He calls out to us. You know that verse that talks about he will provide a way out, right? He calls out to us when we're in, we're, we're in the depths of temptation to say, no, 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 I can satisfy that need. Come to me. Your desire's too small. You were made for something greater. In Psalm 81, we're going to look at the um, ancient Israel, how they, had a, how they had legitimate needs and desires. They were hungry, and they were thirsty, and they were angry, and, they, and so they went to idols instead of going to God who had provided for them, who had shown him, them his miraculous, awe-inspiring power and his ability to provide for them, but still they, still they turned away, and they wanted something else. They wanted lesser than See, we all have desired expectations that keep getting unmet, and sin uses that dissatisfaction to harm us by luring us away from God to get those needs met quickly elsewhere. And this is what I want us to get this morning from Psalm 81. That God the Father, God the Father wants us to answer his call to return to him for provision by remembering his faithfulness to us, responding with trust, and then by expecting him to satisfy our needs. Let's pray together. Um, Jesus, I, 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 am ex, I am expecting you to reveal yourself because it's not enough for me to share stories. I'm expecting you to reveal yourself as provider, as Jehovah Jireh. I am expecting you to, to reveal yourself. And so I release this message into your hands. Open up our hearts today to receive all that you want to give us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, let's read it together. Let's read it out loud. Like all together, read it out loud, okay? So we're going to read uh, Psalm 81, verse 1. We're going to just read until verse 5, okay? So sing aloud to God our strength. Shout for joy to the God of Jacob. Raise a song. Sound the tambourine, the sweet lyre with the harp. Blow the trumpet at the new moon, at the full moon on our feast day. For it is a statute for Israel, a rule of the God of Jacob. He made it a decree in Joseph when he went out over the land of Egypt. Oh, okay, okay. That's it, that's it. You guys are good readers, though. I'm like, why do they keep reading? You guys are doing a great job. So just, just to verse five there. You guys got it. Awesome. 
this, the psalmist put the psalm to a tune. It's called, it's called the Githith. I don't know the exact tune, which was a common tune that uh, some, some of the other psalms were put to, sort of similar to Mozart's variations in C. So they, we, they put the alphabet to a song that Mozart wrote because it was such a simple melody you'd be able to remember it. A, B, C, D, D, D. That's it. Right? And so it's the same idea here with the psalm. The message of the psalm was so important that the psalmist put it to music so it would stick in the people's minds. The people of Israel would be able to absorb and remember what's going on in the psalm. That's how important the psalm is to the people. And more than words, this is a direct response from God to his beloved children. Now look at this. These are commands. Okay, verse 1, sing aloud to God our strength. Shout for joy to the God of Jacob. Raise a song. Sound the tambourine. Did you know playing the tambourine was a command? Some of, you are, some of you are still waiting for that day. It will come. It will come. Okay? Sound the tambourine. Like, like blow the trumpet. The trumpet, not the saxophone. Blow the trumpet at the full moon on our feast day. For it is a statute for Israel, a rule of the God of Jacob. God made it a rule to celebrate. God made it a rule to celebrate. We're here, we're talking about the full moon on the feast day. This is, this is evidently the Feast of Tabernacles that we learn about in the Pentateuch, in the Torah, right? This is what we learn about. It was one of the statues that God put together so the people of Israel would remember that God was so good to them, that God provided for them. God said, it's so, remember that it's so important that you remember that I provide for you, that I'm going to create a music festival with food, so that you would celebrate what I did for you. Because he knew that would make it stick. <laughs> to have fun, to enjoy each other's company, to, 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 to make music and eat together and to talk about the goodness of God and what he had done in the past. It's so important for us to remember that he provides. Listen, God gave you the desire to be secure. He gave you the desire to be loved. He gave you the desire to have belonging. He gave you the desire to, to be cared for and to have a desire for a sense of worth, to feel worthy. He gave you those desires, but sin wants to take advantage of those desires that are natural to a human being. So God said, I have to create something that helps my people remember because sin wants to take advantage of that. So we're going to have a Woodstock. We're going to have a Kingdom Bound. We're going to have a, a Wonder Jam, okay? To remember what I've done for you. Why? Because they're going to forget. They might forget. And the truth is that they did. They still managed to forget. I was talking with um, Femi. I'm not sure if you guys have, have, have met Femi yet um, and his wife, Obulaji. Um, but they, I was chatting with them at our picnic when we were out uh, not too long ago. Oh, maybe just a few weeks ago. And uh, our New Life picnic. And, and he was sharing with me about his journey to Kitchener. And all the things that God had done on his journey to Kitchener. And, and, and if you guys ever get a chance to, get, to just stop him and ask him these questions about how, he, how his family came to Kitchener, it'll blow your mind. It'll really, really touch your heart. And he said, my wife and I have kind of decided, I have his permission to tell this, my wife and I have decided that we want to record, like, like on voice memos, all the crazy things that God has done. I want to record on voice memos all the crazy things that God has done because I don't want to forget it, but I want my kids to be able to hear these stories and remember them. 
Because at any point in time in their life, when they are facing struggles and they may have trouble trusting God, they'll at least be able to reflect on the stories that they heard. That the reason why they're here right now is because God protected them and provided for them. Oof. Man, I felt like a bad parent. (laughs) Do you feel like a bad parent? This guy's awesome. Cameras, you still following me? I don't get a chance to do this often. And and, and I don't say that to say that everybody needs to copy that. But it's in essence to say it's so so important for us to share those stories because the next generation next generation will have different struggles than us the next generation of the church in Canada is going to have significantly different struggles than we have it's important that we remind them about the heritage of what God has done in our journeys so that they don't go to other sources to survive but they go to God powerful stuff powerful powerful stuff you know, 2 Timothy verse two, uh, 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 chapter 2, verse 22 says this, So flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. You know, I used to read that verse and think, okay, well, that's all about, like, sexual temptation and just, just running away from sexual temptation. But the rest of that verse is very important. Along with those who call on the Lord with a pure heart. Along with those. Who here has a pure heart? I only seen Joy's hand. Oh, Nikki, Ryan does. We have pure hearts. That's what Jesus did. He promised it. It was promised in Ezekiel, and it was done. It was accomplished on the cross that you have been created, the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. By his death, you died with him, and by his resurrection, you were raised to life with him, new life, and you've been given a new spirit, a new heart that longs to please God. You want to do what God wants. You want to have that deep, inexhaustible source satisfied by an eternal, inexhaustible source. You want that. You have a pure heart. Second Timothy is saying, don't try and do this game, this sin game on your own. Get around other people. Get around other people who are fellow believers who can encourage you in the faith, who also know what it's like to have inexhaustible desires that sometimes we get satisfied by sin. But also know the dissatisfaction of that and know what it is to go to him. It's so important that we do this together. And I mean, that's why God even put this in place so many years ago for the, uh, for the people of Israel. And you say, well, Robin, thanks for the nice feeling about community and all. But I'm often alone, and when I'm alone, I feel needy. And in any which way, when I am alone, I just want to find, I just find it easier to go along with sin. I find it easier to just go along with satisfying those desires with illegitimate sources or illegitimate um, temptations. I'm going along to do that. It's much easier to do that than to answer God's call for provision or even to bring other people in the mix. So what do I do? That brings us to our next point, that we can answer God's call to provide for us by responding with trust. Okay, read with me again this time. I'm not going to watch the screen this time, okay? Let's do it. So I hear a language I had not known. I relieved your shoulder of the burden. We're on verse 6. Okay. I relieved your shoulder of the burden. Your hands were freed from the basket. In distress you called, and I delivered you. I answered you in the secret place of thunder. I tested you at the waters of Meribah. And there's a Selah there. We'll talk about that. 
Hear, O my people, while I admonish you, O Israel, if you would but listen to me. There shall be no strange God among you. You shall not bow down to a foreign God. I am the Lord your God, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. Open your mouth wide, and I will fill it. That's a really key verse there. People like to ignore the rest of the, that, that chapter, just focus on that verse, because it's so powerful. Open your mouth wide. What is your desire? Do you need to feel secure? Do you need to feel loved today? Do you need to feel cared for? Do you need to feel like you have a sense of worth? All of us struggle with this. I struggle with this. God says, your desire is too small. Open up your mouth wide and I'll fill it. Whatever you need, come to me and I'll fill it. Trust me to do this today. You know, this, um, God goes on to say all these personal things. He says, I listened I relieved your shoulder, I freed your hands, I delivered you, I answered in, and, and, in, thunder, in thunder, and I also tested you. And there's a Selah. Now Selah, it was like a, a poetic tool to just put a pause in the reading of a psalm or the singing of a psalm so that you would, ref, you would reflect on what you just heard. So you would pause and you would reflect on what you just heard. And what was the last thing Jesus, what was the last thing that God said? He said, and I tested you at the waters of Meribah. He goes on and does all these other nice things and then he tests them. That's not nice. Why, why would the psalmist want us to focus on that? Let's talk about it. Okay, so the testing at Meribah is a throwback to the people of Israel being in the wilderness where they tested God. So that is Exodus chapter 17, verse 2. And it says, it says there that, that it looks like the people of God are testing God. But here in this verse, God says, no, 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 no. I tested you. I wanted to see something. I wanted to see what you would do in this situation. What is God looking for? So let's continue to look at Psalm 81. God says, hear, O my people, while I admonish you. Listen here while I, basically he's saying, admonish is another word for warn. Listen here while I warn you. Hear. Uh, hear when I speak to you, right? Now, in this word hear is the word shema, and shema in Hebrew is way more than hear. Hear is like listen, right? Who here knows hearing is different than listening, <laughs> right? All the wives are like, amen, <laughs> right? Let me tell you, like, I, I have trouble. I'm a good, I'm a good hearer. I, I, have this, I, have this, I have this problem. I have, like, this natural urge to nod <laughs> when people are talking, because I want to demonstrate to Mike that you're talking, and I know you're talking. But on the unfortunate part with this nodding is that sometimes my brain checks out, and I'm just nodding. And that's, that's a problem. And no one else knows that more than my wife. The, the list, you're, you're hearing me, Robin, but I don't know if you're listening. And what's the demonstration of listening? Well, it's hearing with understanding. So it's when you act on what you heard. That's what that word shema means. It means hearing with understanding. Does God need to test people? Well, he kind of knows what they're going to do next. Who's the testing really for? It's for us. God says, look at all the things I did for you. Now I want to see... I want to see if it's stuck. I want to see 
if you're going to put your trust into action. Because I try to earn your trust. The Holy Spirit is a gentleman. God the Father. So in his loving and most kind and most powerful way, extends an arm out to that child in the corner and says, I want to earn your trust. I listened. I relieved your burden. I, I, I rescued you from a really dark situation years ago. I brought you into this new life family so that you would know what it was like to be loved unconditionally, what it was like what it was like to be part of a community that understood and honored your new pure heart. I've done all these things for you, and now I want to bring you into a new scenario where after earning your trust, I want you to try out what you put on. Another word for that word test there is the word bakan in the Hebrew. Actually, it's bakan, so it's ba and then phlegm and then on. <laughs> bakan. It's not only test, but it's also try. It's also the word try. So now God's saying, it's tryouts time. I want you to try. I want you now to, to trust me. I've, I've lent out my hand to earn your trust. I want you to trust me. Sometimes God leads us into scenarios where we can now exercise and activate trust because it's easy to trust God when everything is going well. But sometimes we get into scenarios we don't like, and God says, listen, you've already made the team. I just want you to try out what you've put in. I want you to try out what I've put in. It reminds you right now of that verse, right? Philippians chapter 2, verse 12. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. It is God who works in you both to will and to work out his good pleasure. Here's a trick with this verse, not really a trick, but it's just the truth about the Greek language. That word work in verse 12, where God says work out, work out your salvation, that it's a different Greek word than the word how God works in you to work for his good pleasure. It's a different word. So that word in Greek for verse 12 is basically saying, so it's a word to prepare, to subdue, to make even to oppress or to suppress. So it gives you the picture of God has earned your trust over time. He's provided for you over time. And you take what you learn from him and you, you pack it down. You make a firm foundation. You, you activate that trust and you hold on to it. You remember things that he's done well for you in the past. Maybe there's a voice memo. Things that your parents said, God did this for us. And you listen to that and you're like, oh. God is, God is real, and you hold on to it. You treasure those things in your heart. You pack it down, and God says, that activation of trust, I will use that. It is God who works in you both to work. Now, that word work, again, in verse 13, is the word energio, where we get the word energy. That's where we get the English word energy. So God wants to act. He wants to, he wants to, as, you, as you activate that trust, God wants to move you now he wants to bring you to that place where you can work out what you've said you've trusted, what you said you've planted in your hearts, right? So now as we are, Colossians 2.7 says this, as you are rooted and built up in him, he wants to build us up and establish us in the faith as we create that firm foundation, as we trust in him. Listen, people, we're going through a time of testing. 
The church in Canada is going through a time of testing. The church in Ontario is going through a time of testing. The church in Kitchener is going through a time of testing right now, where God has implanted in us, he's provided for us, he has earned our trust. We've been given a lot, and we've been given a lot of good things. And we are more privileged than most of the world's Christians. Matter of fact, we are, again, like I said before, the 1% who do not experience significant persecution every day. God has given us a lot. But you know what? We are experiencing a little bit of pressure. Are we going to stay unified under pressure? Are we going to love each other under pressure? Are we going to support each other under pressure? Because God has been trying to earn your trust. But now he's saying, listen, I want you to... I want you to stand firm and activate that trust. Activate it. And don't worry, I'm going to work through you. I'm going to give you the will, even the will, the want to, to love your fellow brother in Christ who does not agree with you. I will even give you the want to, to do that. He wants to work through you, he wants to empower you to stay unified. We just need to let him. We just need to say yes to him. Yeah, it's a period of testing, but we're going to make it. We have a good father, a good, good father who cares for us and loves us and wants to supply our needs. And yes, sin, sin under your skin wants to take advantage of every one of those needs and turn it to somewhere else. You want to go, you want to go on, the, on the internet or you want, to, you, you want to slander somebody behind their back because they didn't say or do something that you appreciated. And that might make you feel good because you have a need to feel worthy. So if I get other people to agree with me, then I'll, then I'll be okay. But God says, no, 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 no. We are all children of God. You have a need to feel wanted and feel worthy. Let me supply that need. Come to me. Come to me. I'll supply it. Let me show you how I'm already doing it. Let me show you how I've been doing it over the last five to ten years of your life. Let me show you how I've been doing it already in this new life community. Let me show you how I've been doing it over time in your family. Hold on. Trust me. Activate that trust. Watch me work through you. It doesn't have to be about how strong you are. Even how you feel in the moment. He'll give you the will and the want to to do the work. Can I get an amen to that? All right, let's keep going. I'm running out of time. You see me, clash, see me watching the watch. Okay, Psalms 80, um, Psalm 81, verses 11 to 16. Okay, let's go through this quickly. I'll just read it this time, okay? <laughs> I am the Lord your God who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. We read that. Open, open your mouth wide and I will fill it. But my people did not listen to my voice. Israel would not submit to me. So I gave them over to their stubborn hearts to follow their own counsels. Oh, that my people would listen to me, that Israel would walk in my ways, I would soon subdue their enemies. Hear, hear the Father. I would soon subdue their enemies and turn my hand against their foes. Those who hate the Lord would cringe toward him and their fate would last forever. But this is what Father wants to do. He wants to feed you with the finest of wheat and honey from the rock and I would satisfy you. See, he shows us something about the character of God. I love verses 13 to 14. It talks, reminds me of Galatians 5, 16 to 18, right? Where it says, but I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh, which is indwelling sin, are against the spirit. And the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. And these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. Is what we've been talking about. 
But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. God says, listen, if my, if my people would just listen to me and walk in the Spirit, walk in my ways, I would soon subdue their enemies. The enemies of your soul, lies of this world, strongholds of the flesh, of indwelling sin, um, even the brokenness of this world, sickness in your body, um, and, and the schemes of the evil one, the devil and his fallen angels. He says, I'm going to subdue them. If you could just walk in the spirit. You know, that verse in Colossians is so great. As you are in Christ, now just walk in him. As you are in Christ, now just journey, just continue as you are in him. God is more than willing to provide. See, God promises that when we trust him, he will subdue our enemies. God will reveal lies as lies and truths as truths. And, this, and I love this next part, the, the, the last part there about, he would feed you with the finest of wheat and with honey from the rock, I would satisfy you. Now, he's saying, basically, I will provide you with what you need, right? I'll provide you with wheat. Not only just wheat, what you need to survive, food to survive, but the finest wheat, I will satisfy you. Then above that, he says, I will give you honey from the rock. Well, it's so interesting that he's mentioning this because before, he was talking about the test in Meribah, and what happened in Meribah was that they got water from a rock. God led them into a period of testing in the desert where they were thirsty. They said, oh, God, give us water. God said, okay, you asked for water. God says, I can do more than that. I can give you luxurious things. I can give you above and beyond. You're talking about a, we're talking about a Mediterranean, Near East climate and location. Domestically, sweet things aren't in abundance, right? It's not like you go to the grocery store and buy honey. If you want honey, you have to live in a region where there are bees to make honey. And at this time, if you don't, warring nations will have to come. If they really want the honey, they'll have to come and defeat the people who are in that region to go and take that honey. God says, guess what? I'll give you. Sounds, sounds familiar. Sounds like an Old Testament passage, doesn't it? I'll give you the nations. I'll give you honey from a rock. You don't have to go fight for it. I'll give it to you. Now you guys are thinking, oh, Robin's on prosperity gospel. I'm like, yes, finally, prosperity gospel. No, it's not prosperity gospel. <laughs> not prosperity gospel. You see, this is just an example of how God wants to spoil his children. And I want to close with this. God wants to spoil you. My children love Paw Patrol. <laughs> I hate Paw Patrol. I hate it. Please go talk to Marco about 911. Afterwards, come talk to me about Paw Patrol. <laughs> when we were in the theater, they had the posters up for the Paw Patrol movie. I didn't hear the end of it. <laughs> I, I really don't like that show. Let me tell you, there was nothing in, I, I mean, only just common sense prevented me from saying, okay, girls, I'll give it to you. Jesus says in Matthew 7, he said, seek, you will find, knock on the door, will be open to you. He said, if a son asks for bread, who will give him a stone? He said, even you earthly fathers who are good at giving your children things, so how much more will God give to you? You think your heavenly father doesn't know about the things that you want, the desires of your heart, the things that matter to you? 
God wants to spoil you. If I want to spoil my kids, how much more does God want to spoil you? Give you honey from a rock. God is talking about luxurious things and not just things in your hand, but he's saying the deep desire that you have that cannot be satisfied at anything, listen, I can go above and beyond. You experienced a life of rejection. Your mother rejected you. Your friends at school rejected you. Your coaches rejected you. Your, your, your friends in college rejected you. Your spouse rejects you sometimes. You just feel rejected as a single person. God says, there's a deep, deep need for being wanted and known inside of you. That black hole is sucking, looking for life, looking for eternal satisfaction from an eternal source. And God says, you know what? I'm going to provide for you. I'm going to provide you a community of people who can affirm your worth in Christ. And even though you fail... And even though you mess up, they also understand what it is to know to mess up. And so they say, you know what? We're going to come alongside you and affirm your worth in Christ and surround you when you fail and love you when you fail. And what is God doing? He's saying, I'm going to love you and show you worth and acceptance that you've been longing for all your life. That's luxury, people. Not just money in the bank. That's not enough. That can't satisfy your deep need. No, you need God's love. You need God's provision. I'm going over time. We all have desired expectations that keep being unmet. Sin uses that dissatisfaction to harm us by luring us away from God to get those needs met elsewhere. But God the Father wants us to answer his call to return to him for provision by remembering his faithfulness to us, responding with trust, activating that trust. He's earned it. He's been trying to earn your trust. Just activate it. He'll do the rest. And expecting him to satisfy your needs. Know that he desires to spoil you. Know that he desires to fill your deep need. Let's pray today. Jesus, thank you so much for this blessed opportunity to interact with you. I'm so thankful that even now I sense you. Uh, sense your favor, uh, but, uh, you know, we, we all have that opportunity today, you know, wherever it is, uh, we just need to pause and say, Lord, I, am, I acknowledge that you've been trying to earn my trust, so I choose to activate your trust today. Help us, help us, help us, help us to say yes. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to the New Life Fellowship podcast. Thanks for joining us. For more great content, please be sure to check out our website, newlifekw.ca, and sign up for our mailing list. Subscribers will receive our The Life in the Apartment ebook that is sure to encourage and bless. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and subscribe to our YouTube channel to watch the latest services and additional video content. New Life Fellowship is a registered charity that is supported by the giving of partners and friends. All donations will be received. If you would like to donate, donate at newlifekw.ca. Your giving is highly valued and appreciated. You are loved. Take care.